Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Welcome, friends, to another r/slash nuclear revenge video. If you want to help this video blow up like these stories, make sure to hit those like and subscribe buttons down below. That said, our first story of the day is by Peach Jelly Soda. No proof? No problem? Don't mess with woman's best friend. I manage a bar, and one day I came in to see the place totally ransacked. Thankfully, but weirdly, nothing was stolen, which meant it was someone with a personal vendetta. I'd recently fired an employee who I suspected had done it. We hadn't been able to get his keys back yet, so he had a way to get in, and he knew the alarm code since he would open the bar sometimes. I went to my office and saw that the lock on the door had been smashed in and the CCTV footage was deleted. The only thing that was missing was a clay mold of my dog's paw print I had taken right before she passed away. This dog was my first pet and was my best friend. I always talked about her and had brought her into the bar a couple of times on my days off. We let pets stay on the patio. So all the employees knew how much she meant to me. I kept the mold on my desk to always have her with me. I was sure it was him. He hadn't taken his firing so well. But with no absolute proof, I couldn't just outright accuse him. The bar's a bikini bar, and the dude was a total creep. On multiple occasions, he had made disgusting comments to the girls. The cherry on top was when he came in drunk and assaulted the girl working. Men who came in could be gross, but the things he would say and did were on another level altogether. When I called all the employees to ask where they'd been, he totally outed himself before I could even ask. He said, I was home with my wife on Saturday night. I just smiled into the phone and said, I never said it happened on Saturday. He quickly hung up. Gotcha, witch. The police couldn't do crap though with the camera footage deleted. All I had was him knowing it happened on a Saturday. Plus, the damage wasn't too bad, just a lot of smashed plates in the lock on the door. So there wouldn't be much to sue him for if I did get proof. So I decided to get even and get my dog's paw print back. He only deleted the night of the break-in, not the rest of the footage. So I combed through hours of footage to find the time he slapped the girl's butt and grabbed at her chest. But I found something even better. On the camera pointing to the back alley, he was screwing some chick, probably a prostitute, definitely not his wife, up against a car. Jesus, this dude was an idiot. He even smiled and waved at the camera. I copied the footage to a USB stick and put it in an envelope. I knew he had another job, so I waited there until he showed up and went inside. I stuck the envelope under his windshield wiper with a note. It read, give back what you stole or this will start popping up everywhere you go. It didn't take long for him to text me. I played dumb and acted like I knew nothing about it, but added, sounds like whatever you took was important to the person. He told me to freak off and said he didn't have whatever I thought he took. I still played dumb. The next day, I left another USB in his mailbox. I knew his address from his W-2, and another on his windshield wiper again for good measure. I guess he found both of them because I received another string of texts asking what the freak is wrong with me. I still played dumb, but told him to give back whatever the person was asking for, and it would probably stop. He said he didn't have the paw print and was going to the police. Man, this guy was as dumb as a bag of rocks. I told him only I knew the paw print was taken and now I had the proof he broke in for the police. No response. 
I'm no lawyer, but pretty sure what I was doing was just as illegal as him breaking in, if not worse, and he would have had a good case on his hands for blackmail, but he was dumb and probably just wanted it all to go away. Safe to say, the next day, one of my bartenders told me that the guy that was fired dropped off his keys and a package for me. In the package was my paw print broken in half with a letter that basically said he was sorry and he didn't mean to break it and was just pissed off he got fired and to please stop leaving the video. I debated for a good while if I should send the video to his wife anyways, but I found out she was divorcing him because she had found the one in the mailbox. Now I'm not saying what OP did here was the right thing, but as a dog lover who actually does relate pretty greatly to this story, I have a paw print of my childhood dog too. I'm not saying what they did was right, but I understand. Do you guys agree that it's understandable why OP did what they did? Let me know if you guys agree in the comments down below. Our next story is by an anonymous poster. Cost me money? It'll cost your life. Two disclaimers. One, no one died. Two, I'm not the subject of this story, rather someone else is. So, I'm a race car driver. Well, getting back into it after a horrible accident a few years ago, but that's besides the point. And I race mostly vintage stock cars, i.e. Oldsmobile, AMC, Hearst, we're talking late 60s, early 90s. Now, for those who know a bit about these cars, their moment of inertia along the roll axis, in reference to the pitch yaw roll concept, is incredibly small. So they flip easily if they spin, and they like to flip rapidly. So there's this one kid, I think late teens, who's fairly rich. It wasn't that he was a bad kid, but he certainly didn't shy away from getting physical. Granted, this is a local track stuff, so beating and banging is expected. But this guy will shove you into the wall, and you better believe getting your alignment screwed up and not being able to steer because someone wanted to pull a slide job on you will leave a sour taste. One night, a few years ago, we were geared up for a 3 8 mile dirt track. Speeds typically range from 50 miles an hour on corner apex, the slowest part of the turn, and 110 miles per hour on the braking zones. Well, at the beginning, I'm sure the speed tapers off further along in the run as tires wear out. I'm behind said kid and another driver who's notorious for being a hothead. Again, he isn't a bad dude either, but he was a fight on Sunday, beer on Monday kind of guy. He didn't hold on to things, but he gets pissed easily. I don't really remember how far into the event we were, but I was trailing these two for a few laps. The kid was trailing right behind Hothead and presumably tapping on his bumper a bit. This is typical short track racing. It took a while, but the kid finally caught the inside corner panel of Hothead and was able to stick his car into the inside, and essentially ran side by side with Hothead for a few laps. They were bumping doors a bit, the kid was trying to take momentum off of Hothead and pull away, but he could never really clear him. Hothead had a real good weight balance from what I can remember when racing with him in other events, so he's difficult to move around and pass. Eventually the kid gets tired of being door to door, so coming out of one of the turns, he very flagrantly slams Hothead into the wall, which, while not necessarily illegal in this league, it's definitely a big no-no among drivers unless you're looking to fight. And here's the revenge. I don't think Hothead's car was damaged too terribly much, but he had to be steaming. The yellow flag was thrown, and as the field was slowing down, I remember him zooming right past me to catch up with the kid and give him a solid smack in his bumper before getting to the outside panel and spinning him out. As I mentioned earlier, these things are easy to flip over and flip quickly once they're sideways. 
So of course, the kid starts going into a supercharged barrel roll. The car kept flipping and flipping until finally the roof of the car hit the catch fence. But not just any part of the fencing. You see, small tracks use advertisement on steel beams right behind the catch fence to help earn some revenue to keep the place going. Mostly in corners so audience view isn't obstructed. Well, when the kid hit the fence roof first, he hit the solid steel beam behind it as well, completely crushing the survivor cell of the car where he was sitting. I'm not one to be super pessimistic, especially in a race, but being right up close to when it happened, I knew the kid was in trouble. I could see the lights just out of the corner of my eyes of the track safety workers running out to help him. And when they red flagged us, all I could see was out of my tiny little mirror just sticking out of the window. The workers were going into overdrive mode and trying to extract him out of the car, which usually means the driver's in critical or life-threatening condition. So the aftermath, the kid ended up being in critical condition with a compressed neck, broken jaw, a nearly severed tongue, I assume from his teeth going right into it and biting down on impact, concussion, severe internal bleeding, spinal contusion, and a herniated disc. This was all described in the local paper the next day. I don't think I ever saw him race again, nor do I really know what he's up to now. I did feel a bit bad for him as a person considering the amount of injury, but as a driver, I couldn't as much as if I were that upset, I'd probably spin him out too. I don't think Hothead had intended for him to be as injured as he did. As for Hothead, he was black flagged and parked for the race and from the track for about a year, I think. From what I can remember, he wasn't charged with anything. However, he was fined by the track and by the kid's family, understandably so. Again, as a person, I shook my head at him for what happened. But as a driver, I know I would have done the same if I were that angry. And like I said, you can never really predict the consequences of what happens. There's a lesson for all of this, and it's important for those who want to get into racing. This isn't a sport where your body's in total control and you can lay waste to your opponent if you want. These are incredibly fast, 4,000 pound machines that can and will hurt, injure, or even kill others if you're not careful. The best way to avoid situations like these is to keep a very calm and collected head. Which, trust me, it's going to be pretty hard. And to maintain a level of mutual respect as not just a competitor, but as someone who's so easily at risk of getting a life-changing injury from one person's decision. Watching races and seeing races and drivers and the skills they possess, they're really amazing. And it's such a weird thing because I've heard of people who watch it hoping for dramatics like this. But like, it's such a dangerous thing and almost gives me anxiety watching some of them, especially like Formula One. Not just how often accidents can happen, but like how easy it is for cars like that to just completely annihilate. Thankfully nowadays they're getting things like the Halo, which is like a super reinforced beam right over the head of the drivers. But I definitely agree, racing is not a sport to downplay. And our final story of the day is by Schmeggy, Nobody Screws With My Dog. This took place way back in the 6th grade towards the end of the year. I live on the same street as this kid, I'll call Dan. I have a dog that's about 7 years old and loves being outside to play with the neighbor kids during warm weather when everyone is out. Well, on some random day of the year, Dan must have been feeling edgy because he came out of his house and just hit the crap out of my dog with a plastic bat right in front of my sister. She ran into the house, 
bawling telling us what just happened. We ran outside and picked up our dog and rushed him to the vet. After not too long of a wait, the vet came and told us that our dog was alive and that he should recover over the next week or two. Now, my parents were angry and they took this to Dan's parents, explaining what he did to our dog. They seemed to be understanding of the situation and told us they were sorry and that they'll punish Dan severely. But I was immensely furious. This didn't satisfy my anger towards Dan at all. Now, here's the deal. I never really liked Dan. He was pretty jerkish at school. We were both in the same grade, but not necessarily towards me, but towards my close friends. And I guess I've been ignoring it for far too long. We were in the same grade, and something the school does every year for the 6th graders is to have a big science fair towards the end of the year, and everybody tries to make these super elaborate projects. This is where I start my master plan. Once everyone was getting close to finishing their projects, I look around the classroom to try and locate Dan's project. His is along the lines of some sort of aerodynamic rocket that travels really fast down a clothesline in a small amount of time. Perfect. I checked out the rocket and the rocket has a fuse. Too perfect. That night, I go home and look at my firework inventory I had left over from last year's 4th of July. Sure enough, I still had a huge belt of firecrackers left, so I went over my plan on what to do. After school the next day, I dissected Dan's rocket and put in as many firecrackers as I could and made sure that they would be set off once the fuse was lit. I put everything back together as if no one had touched it at all. Skip ahead a few weeks and it's the day of the science fair. It took place in our gym and we were supposed to be next to our projects all morning as judges came around to judge them. So, from my point of view, I couldn't see where Dan was presenting, but I paid close attention to every noise in the gym. About a half an hour into the science fair, I heard an enormous explosion from one end of the gym and a loud crash. The blast was stronger than I thought. The rocket was obliterated along with Dan's hearing. One of the beams that held the clothesline fell over and broke some glass on some other poor kid's project. There was a lot of shouting and all of the adults rushed over to that end of the gym to see what had happened. I stood perfectly still. I just sat there giggling at my handiwork, knowing how traumatized Dan must be. I felt no sympathy, only villainous satisfaction. I'm sorry, but this kid beat up a dog with a bat and the parents go, oh sorry, we'll punish him severely. This kid is going to grow up to be like some sociopathic, psychopathic, I don't know, something. He's either on the path to be the next Ted Bundy or Dexter Morgan, and I don't know which. But with that being said, that's all the time we have for today. So of all three of these stories that I've read for you today, which one was your personal favorite and why? Let me know in the comments down below. And if you haven't yet, if you could like and subscribe, that would mean a lot to me. Whatever you do, whether it's liking, subscribing, turning notifications on, all of it helps grow this channel and I appreciate the heck out of it. So until next time, I'll see you all tomorrow with some more stories. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. 
Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. 